Welcome to this, the first episode of 2023 of One Week at a Time, a Box Hill Hawks podcast. We're brought to you, as always, by Budget Car and Truck Rental. No matter the move, they have a vehicle for you. Um, and an extra special tra- treat, with thanks to Paul and Matt Wilton, who have been um, outstanding partners of the footy club for nearly 40 years now, uh, Budget are offering Box Hill Hawks fans a discount on the next move. So if you are moving, if you do need uh, Budget's services, just use the code, get a pen for this, BCDN. 037600. I'll put that in the show notes. Uh, so big thanks to Paul, Matt, and the entire budget uh, team. Nearly four decades aligned with the footy club is extraordinary. We're thrilled to have them on board again, uh, supporting the club and the podcast in 2023. And I'm thrilled to welcome our first guest for 2023. 160-odd VFL games and counting, premiership, a couple of team of the year nods, I reckon, thrown in there. BNF's club captain and our podcast guest, Everything has led to this moment, Damien Mercedes. We're going to unpack it all. <laughs> Appreciate that, Shawnee. Nice intro. It's that classic case of you either want to be um, first or last. I think in the in the run in the if you terms of you've got a an event card, you want to be first on or last on. Yeah, I guess you probably know this better than most. I'm not the biggest. You sort of try and grab me, and I'm running away a fair bit. But I loved listening to the podcast last year, so I'm more than happy to be a Shawnee. Anything, mate. You know what we like doing too. I like saving you. <laughs> I like rolling you out <laughs> for special occasions. Uh, just whenever you make an appearance, it's like it's something. It's a bit extra. <laughs> and I, I sort of deliberately. I mean, we had the one a couple of weeks ago where you actually commented. We did the question about the tennis. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. you were like, I actually would have done one. Yeah. And I was spewing because I thought Fernando Gonzalez. The great man. Had a good run there for a while. We might come back to that. Um, We'll sort of start just chatting about your time at Box Hill, I suppose. And firstly, how did you come to join Box Hill? I think it was the end of 2018. Yep, end of 2018. You came across and premiership player at Port, multiple team of the years. You've been with us now for four and a half years. How did that all play out? How did you come to land with us? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, we obviously won the flag in 2017 and we had a really good year in 18 again. That's obviously when we... Had that great game against Box Hill and, um, yeah, as it would be, that, that was my last game at Port and I'd actually move over to Box Hill and I guess I just reached that point in my career where I was, uh, I was about mid-20s and I was thinking I either go two ways here, I play local footy and I go and play with mates and sort of step down a level or I stay at the level but I, I'm ready for something new. Um, having been at Port Melbourne for seven years, it was just really good timing and, yeah, I, I think Naps or someone from Box Hill reached out at the time and I was living in Doncaster at the time. It, you know, obviously always liked and, and respected Box Hill as, as an organisation. So I thought, why not? Let's give it a crack. And um, to be honest, it's probably the best footy decision I've ever made. So, yeah. I remember when it, because I just, I was with the club initially and then you, you joined not long after the actual season wrapped, really, and the confirmation came out. And I remember reading it and thinking, it's like, oh, wow. That was one of those where you went, oh, that's a really good get. And it's like, how how has that actually sort of happened? Yeah. Um, more of Daniel Napoli's fine work, I imagine. But um, no, we've loved having you. And I suppose, you know, that 17, 18, my first stint with Box Hill, when I first arrived at the footy club, David Mirror was the guy who hadn't got the chance and should have. Fortunately, he did. You should have had an opportunity on AFL list. I'm not just blowing you-know-what up, you're you-know-what. Um 
was there ever a time, was it that 17, 18 period where you thought maybe you're the closest to getting an opportunity? Yeah, probably like you miss out on the draft as an 18-year-old and I think I spoke to six or seven clubs and you get a bit disheartened at the time. You're like, well, you know, I'm close but I'm obviously not there and then you go and have this two or three years at VFL where, to be honest, I just felt lost. I was injured a fair bit. I wasn't playing great footy. Is that immediately out of now? Yeah, that was immediately out. Or oh, what was it, TAC? Um, yeah, TAC cut back then. It's changed again. <laughs> yeah, it has. Um, so I, I sort of got to this point where um, it just kind of clicked for me and I had a really, you know, I had some great role models at Port Melbourne, um, unbelievably good players who just were on me consistently and Gary Ayres as well who just believed in me and consistently pushing me and they obviously saw something that I could play at the level and, yeah, I just had a really good few years of consistent VFL footy and that sort of led me to that point where, yeah, I was probably 23, 24, spoke to a few clubs again. Were you ever given feedback? That first time of asking and then the second time around? Oh, you sort of hear bits and pieces from coaches and but not specifically, you know, directly from a recruiter um, in that sense. Um, but it I always, guess, yeah. It always feels incredibly unhelpful. Yeah. Where it's um, sort of like, I mean, we spoke to Cav about it. I did speak to Miz about it. He said it as well, where he's like, just like hit me between the eyes. Like if it's, I want to hear it. hundred percent. Just give it to me. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. You kind of hear things almost third person and you never actually really sit down with a, you know, someone from an AFL club and go, okay, this is what you need to be doing. Um, you've got a pretty good idea as most guys do of what, you know, your limitations are what they perceived uh, are perceived to be. But, um, yeah, I think I think that the thing that I look back on and go, okay, and still to this day playing is like you're playing against a lot of AFL players every week and you know you can consistently match them, if not beat them. So you look at that and go, okay, well, fair enough. Club's got their judgments about it and they that's, that's their opinion. But at the same time, I know deep down that I could play at the level if I got the chance. So See, Miz actually spoke about that. And are you, were you in the same boat in... He, not his words exactly, this is David Mirror, but he, he sort of said you almost play with a bit of a chip on your shoulder. Definitely, definitely. Controlled, but yep. this sense of yep. Yep. Well, I'm playing with or against listed guys. Yep. If I'm not holding my own, sometimes I'm bettering. Yep. So did you ever go out on the field and you know you're going to be matched up against player A yep. and sort of go, yeah, I'm going, to, I'm going to beat this guy? 100%. And one of the best things about playing for a standalone club and even winning – that premiership, I think we beat Richmond on that day with 21 listed players. That's and crazy. Richmond at that point in time was a bit of a juggernaut. Like they won their first AFL flag the next week. Um, they were healthy. And you go into that game against 21 AFL players and you get it done on grand final day. And you're like, well, yeah. There's something sort of spiritual about it, yeah, isn't it? It's not yeah. just talent and talent. It's yep. uh, like it's funny because we, 17, obviously played a ripper qualifying final at Box Hill. Box Hill, I think great it was. game. Unbelievable yep. game. Yep. We, we got done comfortably by Richmond in the prelim. So what was Port's path to that? Semi-final against? Uh, we beat Footscray at Port yeah. at home. And then prelim Willie, which was a massive game. Um, a still real... got that one over Colo, if he's listening to this. <laughs> Hates it. And Benny Cav. <laughs> and and Cav. Um, and, yeah, that, that was a, a crazy run. And I guess we just got on a roll at the perfect time and um, – like you said, there was some unbelievable finals at that era of the VFL where you just – you look back and you're like, I was really lucky to play in that. Even the Bulldogs game we versed, I think we ended up winning comfortably. But the actual game itself was as high quality first half as I remember. 
um, against some really good AFL players as well. So I look at it honestly, even now and you know last year and and this year again, I look at playing against those guys as like it's it's pretty cool. Like you you watch obviously AFL, there's things going on. And then on the on the weekend, you get a chance to go out and actually play against someone who you've seen play the week before in the AFL. Um, so I guess you know, for myself, I'm used to it, but for young guys, I, I can see how interesting and how cool it is because you get to test yourself against the best, or at least someone who's on an AFL list every single week. So as you sit here now, um, I think you've just gone thirty. Yep. How do you make sense of it all, the, the near misses or the close call? Or, you know, I suppose it's hard to know how close you really were, but is it frustration? Is it, is it a bit of disappointment? Is it annoyance? Is it a bit of all that? To be honest, I get this question a lot mm. and people sort of naturally think, oh, you know, what happened or why didn't it happen or are you, are you disappointed? But I'm just so content with the career I've had mm. and I'm just proud of – I could have easily walked away from VFL when I was 20 or – 24 or 25 and go on that I'll go and play local footy but I've stuck at it and I guess I'm, I'm proud of the career I've made at this level because it's still a great level footy and it's um, it tests you every week and it's a high commitment level along with work and what else you're doing outside so for me to stick it out I think this is my 12th year coming up that's for me it's I guess it's a yeah I'm just proud of that. And you should be because it wasn't it's one of those things where not for a lack of trying not for a lack of talent it's some things just don't happen. Yep. And it's it's hard to kind of know. Well, why didn't is the, the Heidi the wombat is giving us the thumbs up through the window? Shout out to Heidi. Um, yeah, it's it's one of those sort of plenty of guys running around in the AFL. You would have played with a lot of them. Brody, my check's a great story yep. of somebody yep. who gets the opportunity when maybe yep. was it going to come or was it going to happen? And you know, um, no I think if you if you dwell on it and you're angry, like you don't get anywhere. So no. I. I, I'm not honestly. I, it doesn't phase me one bit now. Yeah, maybe earlier twenties I was, but I'm just so content, and I'm just so committed to this level and helping this club that um, it's honestly it's the furthest thing from my mind. Like, I, it's I a very healthy perspective to have. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you mentioned you know that the matches um, during that era that that Box Hill and, and Port Melbourne have played over the last sort of five and six years. Um, you know, it's just my time to played some unbelievable matches and having lived both sides of the rivalry, is there a match or a moment that is really vivid in your mind? Ooh, I suppose it was the one. unbelievable. I think you played an unbelievable game. Um, the drawn the draw. final was probably... But no, no, in the draw, I think it would have been 17 in the home and away draw. Yes, there was a draw. There was a shot off the siren and I think it was Izzy Conway had a shot from about 70 out and didn't make out. the distance. There's a long way out. <laughs> But yeah, like you said, crazy games and just, and it's like both teams knew going into the games. You just knew that it was going to be close and there was going to be nothing in it. So I just built the game up more. Um, but probably that, as although we lost and it was really disappointing at the time, looking back on it, that drawn final, just the way that game was, we had a pretty average first half then sort of made this run in the second half and Boxer were just hanging on and I honestly thought we were going to win that game with whatever it was to go 30 seconds. And then, um, yeah, there's just a crazy three or four instances of play where the ball just rebounds and ends up down Box Hill four line. Ollie Hanrahan kicks a goal with two seconds to go or something. Um, My uncle sent me a message um, after full time and he said, he goes, that's one of the best games of footy I've ever seen. Yeah. He goes, that's, yeah. He goes, that's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, he goes, not just the finish. The finish is ridiculous. He goes, but just the actual match. He goes, it was just extraordinary. 
Um, you know, obviously the oh, I don't want I don't want to name names, but the the blind kick into our into your forward fifty is one of those where you like just get it in, get it as far away from Box Hill's goal as possible. But it was the best thing that had happened all day because <laughs> I think Whitey got it, rebounds out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tim O'Brien's involved. Killer obviously has the toe poke, just ridiculous. But that that particular era, and then obviously last year, again a little bit of history yeah. repeating in that Port look. Home and hosed. We looked like at one point in time we, we've probably done enough to just gap and Port come flying back with three or f- three and a bit goals down. Yep. Unbelievable finish. Uh, and again, pivotal um, involvement from yourself. <laughs> I didn't ball. do much up to that stage. I had to do something and um, still speak to Ferg about that to this day, about my wobbling torpedo was, mongrel punt that landed right in his been, lap. <laughs> it could not have been more perfect. Uh, but that, that was also, yeah, that was a great moment. Um, and it's yeah, it's it's probably one you'll remember for a fair bit because winning a game after a siren doesn't happen every day. And and we didn't know that it was after the siren. Yes, until there was all sorts of scenes after that. But um, I don't know how I didn't get reported after that. I gave the umpire one of the biggest sprays, <laughs> telling him how he's missed a siren. But he just looked at but me. But did blankly. the siren go? The siren hundred percent went. But was it really faint? I think only the players could hear it because I. I th- I remember speaking to my um, my old man after the game, and he's like, "What were you guys doing? Like, why?" Because I didn't go... hear, I didn't hear it. Yeah, he's like, "Why didn't you go back to your positions? Why was everyone?" And I was like, "Because the siren went, and we all on the ground, even the port boys, like a few of them, were, mm. we were shaking hands, and then the ump just had no you know, idea." <laughs> <laughs> if you know City Oval, I was sort of near where we come out for training. Yeah, I was in the race there, and I didn't hear it, and yeah. I was sort of, it was a bit like. I just thought, oh, here we go, how long's left? Because mm-hmm. obviously in BFVFL, you don't know how long's left. So I thought, oh, we'll go back to the middle. And then it sort of went straight away anyway. So yeah. no harm, no foul. It, it, nah, we got there in the end, but yeah, crazy. Uh, <laughs> uh, in terms of rivalries, obviously during your time at Port, um, you were involved in arguably the VFL's best rivalry with Port and Willie, Colo and Airsy. You've spent yeah. a bit of time with the two of them now. Uh, two really proud standalone clubs, both really successful. Can you describe that matchup? What's the build-up like to a, a really big Port and Willie game, especially a final? Yeah. Well, now seeing Colin having worked with him, you get another picture of how that works because Ayersy's, without a doubt, the most competitive person I've probably ever met. And then you see Colo, who's Colo, well. <laughs> um, who is once again very demanding, dogged, like competitive person. So now you see how Willie would have approached that game um, as expected. Unbelievable. Um, so yeah, I. I I, you sort of get to Port Melbourne, you didn't realise how big a rivalry it is until you play in your first game and that week and the build-up and you get the ex-players who come in who are legends of how quickly, the VFA back then. But like how quickly do you go, oh, this is different? Yeah, uh, by the Tuesday training session that week, you're like, okay, there is something in the air here and um, yeah, you just know it's going to be on. Is um, there an even more sharp like shift in someone like Ezzy? Yeah. Where you're just like, he's, he's, he's on, on. Like he's absolutely on and... Everyone knows it and you can just tell from the minute you get to training. Um, I think what's cool and you mentioned it's he and the two clubs, yes, but he and Colo. Yeah, they got uh, like as this well. little battle. That, yeah, yeah, which is brilliant. <laughs> um, one of my favourite – I think – I don't know if we told it on the on the, the Bulldogs Boys podcast, but um, if you want a, you know, a picture of Colo's competitiveness, they went to play golf and it was Ferg, Colo, Ports. So I'm not sure who the fourth was. And Ferg was in a pair with Colo and Colo was sledging him, <laughs> his own teammate. <laughs> How good's well, that? At one of his best is any time you had a good game, you'd probably be thinking, like, I'm going all right here. Might have had a few good games in a row, you know. 
and he just would love throwing the five-day, five-night, two Norm Smiths, <laughs> and you're like, well, when you say that, you can't really you compare. Know, I actually can't. <laughs> <laughs> come back. <laughs> an unbelievable CV, so fair play. Uh, and then I suppose when you reflect on your time at Port, um, you know, what does come to mind is it that standalone, backs-against-the-wall environment? Is it particular teammates? Yeah, um, mixture of both. Unbelievable club, like... Yeah, once again, you probably didn't realise how big and passionate that club is until you start playing there. And then I was just so lucky I got there at a time when they were successful. And as we spoke about previously, like legends of the VFL. So like John Baird, Toby Pimmel, Chris Kane, Sam Pleming, Sam Dwight. Like I played with five or six of probably uh, the – Shane Valenti as well. Jordan, like, uh, Lyle, Jordy, Yeah, there, there's just non-stop names that I was so lucky and we had such a good team and environment. Um, and, yeah, we just had great success there, and it, it honestly felt – I'd describe it as a local club at VFL. That's how it felt like. We were just – just you sort of rock up on a Tuesday, Thursday, you train, and you just get it done on game day. Like it was, That's the best thing. I've said it yeah. on the podcast before. That is the best thing about VFL footy is it is local footy on steroids. Yeah. It's yeah. all the awesome things about local footy. Professionalism's With, a little yeah. bit higher and yeah. expectations, a little, yeah. you know, everything yeah. – quality's a little bit higher. Yeah. But all the great things about local footy, accessible, people come in the rooms after the game and you can enjoy it. It's, it's Especially at Port Melbourne. like oh. They are, have a different supporter breed, but they're absolutely loyal as you come. So they they're will, feral in the best way. Yeah, they are. They, they would be at every game. It would be freezing cold on a you know Friday night at Ballarat and they would all be there. And they would be there till the last minute, like just so passionate. How and much of a help is that? Oh, it was... Because Northport was... It still is. Yeah, fortress. Very hostile. It, it was. And I think looking back at my time there, I, if I had to put a percentage on it, I reckon 80% winning percentage there. You know what's even better about Northport? You could finish eighth and you got and home finals. And you still finals. have home finals. <laughs> and there's so many boys at Box Hill get stuck into me about that. <laughs> my, one of my, my favourite examples of that ever was we were playing Port 2017 qualifying final at Box Hill and our dev boys were playing, I think it was Willie or something, in a elimination final, same thing. Just play a double header at Box Hill. No, 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 no. We, we had to go out. We had to go and play at Northport. In the, not obviously the, the seniors, but the dev. Yeah. And it's like, this is not fair. Yeah. We got oh. bundled out, whatever. Um, <laughs> I suppose before you got to, to um, Port, um, you spent your juniors at uh, Oakley. Yep. And in something that feels a bit like fiction nowadays, you're actually a goal-kicking forward. I was. So... I, yeah, I, I was a half forward, um, sort of a hit up half forward, loved a goal, still do love a goal, but coaches just play me down back all the time. Now, was that so. a gradual move? Uh, Can you remember like what was the... When from did you, forward to back? Yeah, or? when did you first start kind of drifting back? So I, I played most of my juniors and underage footy and then into NAB or TAC Cup as a forward or a half forward. Um, and then, yeah, like... I think I came second in the uh, TAC Cup goal kicking and I missed I, – I had a game where I kicked about I think it was 3-6 or 3-7 and I lost by a couple of goals. So I'm still dirty on that. But anyway, <laughs> um, left NAB, uh, TAC Cup and, yeah, Port Melbourne, Ezzy, I think he just loved something about my kicking and he was like, I'm going to play you off half back. And f- almost from the first practice game, I was at Port Melbourne. Basically played as a halfback. And, and how did you react to that? Were you sort of yeah, like, I'd, that's fine? Or I'd never played halfback in my life, to be honest. So How were those early <laughs> weeks and months? Um, yeah, probably not great defensively, but <laughs> he liked me down there for long enough, so I, I've sort of stayed there ever since. But 
it, w- it was probably the best thing for my footy, to be honest, because I, you know, sort of made that position my own and I was lucky at Port um, where I started my career to, yeah, just sort of play in that position and, and have a bit of a role down there as, you know, kind of your quarterback, I would call it. Like, I, w- I was lucky that I sort of got to play that position and, yeah, he just put a whole heap of trust on me. So I'm pretty grateful for that because I've pretty much stayed there ever since apart from the odd... Um, odd move down forward. You are still a break in case of emergency <laughs> option for a Box Hill coach if we need some goals. I remember Mitch swung you forward against Werribee one day yep. and you yep. kicked two or three pretty quickly yep. and sort of just gave us a little bit of interest in the match. And I remember watching it thinking, we're playing this guy in the wrong position on the ground. <laughs> it's like, well, it's, it's the most obvious thing in the world. He's gone forward and kicked three in no time. And you did it. You kicked one off the deck. And it was like, okay. And then you kicked a set. He was like, this is like all right. Yeah. But I was like, ne- you know, next week you're back to half back. And I'm yeah. thinking, no, this yeah. is wrong. What are we doing? <laughs> I wasn't going to knock yeah. on Mitch's door and say that. Yeah, but, no. Um, but no, it was, it was, it was always fascinating because, like I said, once again, um, David Mira, funnily enough, did it against Werribee as well. Knew he shifted him. It was basically the same game. And he kicked a couple quick ones. And it was like, Guy's kicked four goals in his VFL yeah. career and he's almost doubled it in 10 minutes. Um, how many VFL goals do you reckon you would have kicked? Oh, I don't know. Maybe. Early days, I, I I kicked a decent amount, like as a halfback. I used to sneak forward and kick, I don't know, maybe double figures over the year. Mm. But then I wouldn't know. That's a good question. 40, 50? Yeah. Something like that. That's got to um, get them. Yeah. Last year I didn't kick many, so that was disappointing. Jeez, did you kick? Uh, you kicked one on the MCG. Kicked one on the G, maybe one late in the year as well. Did someone who gave it over the tops? Cav over the top. Yeah, Cav over the top. Yeah, good man, Cav. Very good man. <laughs> um, would Ferg have given it over the top? You'd think so because I've given him that many, but he probably wouldn't. Yeah. I suppose off the field, um, would you consider yourself? And I'm always interested in this question because there's no judgment. But would you consider yourself a footy head? Like, how much footy would you consume on a weekend? I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I'm a footy head. I certainly don't sit there watching footy all weekend. However, I'm the sort of person who likes to keep on top of, I guess, what's happening in footy. So um, you, may still like, you may still call that a footy no, but I'm not the sort of person who's going to sit there and watch game after game. One, because my missus won't allow me. <laughs> and two, I love having a break away from... I feel like it's the best thing mentally for me to not do that because then when I'm at the club and at footy, you know, things, I'm well engaged and I'm, I'm really, you know, present. So I find that helps me. Do you find now, and we'll sort of talk a little bit about the coaching you've been doing over the last sort of 15 odd months, do you find now you watch footy through a different lens then? 100%. And it's true when people say to you, you'd be a better player if you coach first. I think that is so true. I can now watch things and pick things up so much quicker or have a different view on things rather than just sitting there watching a game of footy with mates who, you know, let's be honest, when people watch a game of footy on TV, the number one thing they look at is probably skill errors or why is this happening? Or, And it's like I sort of got a different lens on when I'm watching things. So that is a bit of the nerd coaching me coming up, but it's also, um, yeah, I, I just like looking at that sort of stuff. How you enjoyed the shift into coaching? You did a probably – the split was probably what, – what would you say it was last year playing and coaching? It was pretty high playing. It was high playing but week to week is in throughout the weeks mm. was a bigger emphasis on coaching um, with Dave McKay who was awesome, um, great person to work with and we sort of – 
would schedule our or split up our week that I would do a fair bit of the review and prep stuff and DMAC would do more of the game day coaching. So that worked really well. Whereas this year, there's probably going to be a bigger shift to me doing more on both. So um, the biggest thing that you learn about coaching is it's actually not that much that you do on game day in comparison to what you do throughout the week. Like that's where majority of your actual coaching stuff and prep and reviews and watching vision and, you know, individual player stuff, that's where you're doing a lot of your work. Um, so. Would you say, so and this is just my observation and it could be 100% wrong, but I thought in the first month of last year, not because your, your body language was bad or your form was bad or anything, but just observing you, I sort of thought, oh, this is, this is probably, I reckon Damo will probably hang him up at the end of the year. Yep. But then the longer the season went, I remember talking to Naps and going, I think he'll go again. But, but because of the coaching. Yeah. yeah. And the balance will be maybe redressed or yeah. maybe looked at. But I thought, yeah, as I said, your form wasn't bad, your body language wasn't bad, your attitude was spot on. But I just thought, oh, he looks content that this is probably the last go around. Yeah. Yep. And then the longer it went, I just went, no, nah, I, I reckon he'll go one more. Yeah, I, I certainly didn't have it in my mind that I was finishing up. I naturally, you get to this point and, you know, I'm 30 now. I was, I was getting to a point where, yeah, it's, it's going to happen in the next few years. So um, I probably have shifted my mentality towards coaching a bit more than playing in saying that I'm still obviously committed to playing and I still need to perform because that's very important. And like you said, if you're not playing that well or performing – really it's, it's going to be an awkward yeah it's it is very awkward so selection meeting i pride myself on my performance as a player because that one helps you with your coaching but also it gives a bit of kudos to what you're doing because and respect because your teammates at the end of the day if you're not getting it done out there you can say what you want to them but you know if, if you're not <laughs> you're not getting it done on game day it's kind of hard to explain but it's that's it's, how it is like <laughs> the position becomes untenable yes right? <laughs> um, would you say that if you think back now having done a you know some coaching last year and then more coaching this year on on the table has it or was it a, a long held aspiration to do something like this give it a try yeah definitely i so i think max bailey who was an unbelievable influence for me when i first got to box hill he we had a few conversations about just doing, you know, taking a drill at training or just doing little bits and pieces um, that start that approach or start that, you know, ball rolling. And I did a few things and I was like, okay, yep, I like this. I'm, I'm going to give it a crack, I think. But then naturally as a player throughout the year, you just, you're so focused on playing and it's kind of hard if you're not actually committed to a role to do something. Um, so I actually went down to the VFLW training um, the girls and did some development down there. What year was this? Was this, this was 2019. Yep. Um, so I, I, throughout the year, maybe went down 10, 12 times, helped out with their main trainings with the backs in particular, took some stuff down there. And that was really good because you get to see a whole different, I guess, ball game coaching females compared to males. So was it good too for you to kind of just go, you actually want affirmation that, yeah, I do actually want to do this and I, I actually have to try before I then go, yep. yeah, what's next? Yeah. What's the next avenue? Yeah, and it's certainly one of those things that I've learned over the last few years. If you are not committed to it and if you do not put in the time, you will not last. Do you like find that out quickly? Very quick. Um, so you need to be able to, yeah, commit to it fully and if you don't enjoy it, it's not going to be something that I think in my early days of coaching, I've only just started, but I don't think it's going to be tenable. Um, 
100 percent. And you mentioned you know you've only just started. You're very um, early in the journey, but ultimately, where do you want it to take you? I'd love to coach as a full time career. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, it's very competitive the AFL industry, but um, yeah, I, I'm I throw it out there like I would love to do that, and I think a lot of my skill set is suited to that, and I probably provide something a bit different, not having played at the level, but also being a school teacher. Um, and just my experience playing at the state league and the VFL level and just sort of, yeah, my experience in life, I think, can be a, a pretty good asset as well for me. So um, I definitely want to give it a crack and see where I end up. So the two things, I like that answer because sometimes you sort of, people play a straight bat and it's, what do you, I don't, you know, I'll say what you sort of want me to say and I'll, whatever. But there was this great moment for anyone interested in it. It's not an outstanding doco, but it was an interesting doco, Ryan Giggs legendary Man United player, Um, he was installed as interim manager the year after uh, Sir Alex retired. David Moyes comes in, doesn't go so well, he gets sacked and Giggs came in for the last four games, I think it was. And at the time, he had this incredible record where he'd played in every Premier League season and he'd scored in every Premier League season. The last game of the year comes around, he's going to be retiring, doesn't score. And the guy asked him, are you a bit disappointed? And he kind of started his answer with a bit of a, oh, look, if it, it just was one of those things that didn't happen. And then he checked himself and went, no, um, yeah, I'm disappointed. I am. <laughs> he goes, oh, I would have loved it. And he yeah. just goes, I would have loved to have. Well, of course I would have. Yep. And it's that thing where you go, you look like someone who's adapting to the role really well, enjoying it, getting something out of it. And then there's a bit of a clear focus as to, okay, where does yep. this go? Where can I go with it? And as you said... That's all down to commitment. Yeah. And that's where Box Hill has been unbelievably good for me in terms of they've given me so many opportunities, like NAPS, um, massive in terms of just giving me chances and opportunities to put myself out there. And um, Do you remember the first conversation when he said, would yeah, you be interested? Yeah, I actually remember a conversation where it was after the 2021 season. So going into the off season of 20 before 22 and – he obviously said, you know, you're keen on coaching. You Do you want to do it? And I was like, yeah, okay, I'll, I think so. Like I'm, was I'm pretty keen. Was like this like an exit interview or something? Yeah, something like that. Um, would have been one of those end of season yeah. um, conversations. And he goes, okay, well, why don't you do the backs next year? And I was kind of like, well, like I, I expected him to give me some other role that was maybe not as straight up a line coach. And I was, I just went home that night thinking – like this club's putting so much trust in me. Like I've been captain of the club. Like I've come over here as a, like they've well, given you were me still endless. Captain of the club. Yeah, <laughs> I probably was. <laughs> There's just so many good opportunities to just give things a go and development at the Hawks and you know being in the AFL program. Like there's just so many good opportunities for me that I've been so lucky that people at this club have given me. So Was it an interesting case of, you know, when you want something and you're sort of thinking, yeah, I'd like to give that a go and then someone actually offers it to you and you're like, yeah. oh, wow. I think I was just a bit taken back yeah. that I was still playing and he said, I want you to do the line coaching. Like, Were but, you like, are you retiring me? Yeah. Or, <laughs> <laughs> that and also like, I'm just starting. Am I going to be good enough? But then, <laughs> it's kind of like, it's the best thing for you because you get thrown in and within the first month you're like, well, this is crazy. Like I'm learning so much mm. and so many good influences around me, other good coaches. So, um, yeah, it was great to just be thrown in like that because I learned so much in that first couple of months, but even the first six months. What's been the best part about the coaching you've done to date? Definitely the impact you can have. So 
I look at as one of my legacy pieces of Box Hill now, older in my career, I look at an 18 or 19-year-old guy who comes in from the um, NAB League mm. and the fact that I can have an influence over them and know and have some empathy for what they may have been through, missing out on the draft, coming to Box Hill, coming to a VFL system, potentially feeling a bit lost, but being that mentor, you know, being someone that, that's there that can impact them to hopefully get them to a level where they're a senior VFL footballer and, you know, they get their, their stuff sorted outside of work, study, whatever they're doing. Like, I love that aspect of it. Yeah, it's awesome that you can help them with X, Y, Z out in the field, but it's more how you can help them as a whole person like that that I really enjoy. We've got so many cool role models for young boys, you know, at the footy club yourself, Cav, you know, Beza, who's yep. obviously on a list, came off a list, has recommitted to VFL for a long period of time. Stu Horner yep, is another definitely. one who are who are really good role models for kids who might be frustrated, geez, I've missed out, what do I do next? Yep. Um, and I think that's really encouraging. Move on now, and I don't uh, I don't want to give anyone some early selection news for round one. Um, <laughs> I knew this was coming. Yeah. If anyone from the Swans <laughs> might be listening in, um, you won't be playing in round one. And uh, why is that? Yeah, so um, just some small news or event coming mm. up. No, I'm, a, I'm actually getting married. So I'm, um, yeah, I, I can't wait. It's going to be on that Friday before round one. So I'm not putting myself up for selection, even though Zane probably is trying to prod me. I'm well and truly out that Being week. Mid to late March is an interesting time to have a wedding for a footballer. It is. Committed. However, there's a few theories going around this. So I'm going to nip it in the oh, bud yeah, right do. now. I've heard a few of these. Yes. Um, obviously, the COVID pandemic for the last two years has prolonged most establishments around Melbourne. Yes. There's a wedding. backlog. There is a massive backlog and... It was basically take that date or wait another nine months. And we were not prepared to do that. So we just booked that. And um, to be honest, it's one game of footy. Like it's no big deal. And we've got the buy in round two. And we've got the buy. So it's. Where are you um, for the buy? It has well and truly worked out. You're, you're international for the buy. I am. Not? We are heading away for a week. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's all very exciting. Congratulations to you and uh, Liv, obviously. Um, Thank you. We're on the doorstep, obviously, of the season. We played our first Pracky game last week. Um, I suppose for you personally as a player now, putting that uh, those boots on, how are you placed personally? Yeah, so I was going okay, but I've had a bit of an Achilles setback the last few weeks, but it's still absolutely fine and well on track to play um, that last practice game against Essendon, potentially the Willie one, but yeah, I'm just sort of building up and I guess that's a good thing at my age, Visa and um, the coaching staff are well and truly happy for me to just sort of build up and get myself ready to go. So long season ahead, but I'll be, I'll be right. For anyone who follows us on socials and like, um, coaches wear the grey singlets yeah. or grey shirts as they are. This and is if another fur thing, if, isn't if it? If you're training, you wear the blue you do when you when you pull the blue on. It's a special occasion. It's like Damo's <laughs> actually having a run. I did feel bad. I did feel bad for you the night we did um, we did the little piece to camera thing about who's who's best at dodging the time trials. Yeah, and Cav Cav got me threw you under the bus like and you then I believe. did it and you did it. There is actually footage of you completing the time trial. That's my first time trial since I've been at Box Hill, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> and I for some reason did it this year of all the years. Um, but no, I, I, I loved it. It was good fun. Get out there with the boys. It's important you, you know, you put in in preseason. It was actually good fun. I, I ran a pretty good time as well, so I was happy with that. You just don't want to be last. 
No. 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 Um, new additions, obviously, will be joined by a few um, really exciting – Paddy Nash, Cal Brown yep. – you know, trudge, um, lots of other, we don't want to list everyone, yeah. but what have you made of the new faces joining the group? Great. And I think looking, even speaking to people in the, the industry and, and the VFL, I guess, community, Box Hill always has a great VFL list. And that's one thing that's definitely strengthened again this year. We've got some great recruits coming in. Um, so they're all going to have great impact over the year. And the best thing is they've all fitted in really well and it, it doesn't feel like it's a whole new startup again of a new list. It feels like they've just sort of slotted in and, and been another piece of the puzzle um, along with, I guess, myself and, and Beezer and Stewie and Cav and the rest of us who have been here a while. So, Do, do you feel too – I've got this thing where it feels like VFL lists, like the core of a VFL list at any given time has like a two-year lifespan. Yeah. And I think we've been really fortunate in that. Obviously, you've stuck around since 19. You know, this is Beezer's third year. This is yep. Ports's third year. Um, Stu Horn has obviously been here for a long time. Yep. That core has carried over across those two-year windows. Yeah, and it's so important. And I guess it comes back to the club. And really, that's the reason why most people play at this level and at this club because it's such a great place to be. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a little tight-knit community I guess but we're all really involved and, and we want the best for this club so it's great to see people sticking around. We've done the serious stuff Damo we're going to change lanes now. Um, <laughs> I'm not a really funny person. No no this is silly the silly sort of questions this is just more about you as a person now okay. so you do um, I hope I'm right in saying this this we'll just move on if I'm not you like your tennis? Yeah look, look, yeah. yeah so I've got a question for you Roger Rafa or Novak, I think we're pretty fortunate to have lived through yep. the era of the three greatest players yep. of all time. Um, the outlier for me is, a, is like Bjorn Borg. Yeah. Bjorn Borg won 11 majors. He retired at 26. A bit too old for me. I don't remember But I mean, him. But yep. he's the only one I think would be – most people would yep. go, we could extrapolate his career out and put him in the conversation. Yep. Rank them for me. I'm number one joker. I don't think <laughs> – there is anyone that's ever been on his level. Um, he, when he gets going and he's in the zone like Aussie Open this year, there is zero chance. Mm -hmm. Whereas I feel like the other two, they can be absolutely in the zone, but they're still beatable at times. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go uh, Joker, Roger, Rafa. Yep. See, I've got, I'm, I'm a died in the wool, ride and die, Roger. Yep. And for the sole reason that, as someone who loves tennis like yourself, I don't think anyone has ever made their sport look as beautiful as Agreed Roger with Federer that. made tennis. I agree. I agree. At his that. best. Yeah. Yeah. Novak's phenomenal. Um, and and Rafa, this sounds like this is the most backhanded compliment of all time. Won twenty two majors, which is ridiculous. He's won like fourteen French Opens, exactly. and it's like uh, he's not we, as well rounded. It's like we play he? on clay for like six <laughs> weeks of the year. Um, but ridiculous player. But I think that it's it's weird. It's extraordinary that Roger comes along and you think. In the early days, you're like, this guy's unimpeachably yep. the greatest of all time, the greatest we've ever seen. And then very quickly down the pike come two and it three is, in whatever crazy, order you want to put it? them. It's, when you think of that, how that's happened in the last 20 years, mm. three of the best ever just happen to be in our time. It feels a bit like that in a lot of sports, so doesn't it? Like it does. Tiger burst onto the scene yep. and it was sort of like, well, this guy's probably the greatest golfer ever. Yep. Yep. And then you had, obviously, LeBron's you know, in a conversation yep. for that. Brady. You sort of go, well, this guy's probably the greatest. Yeah, this seems extraordinary. And Ronaldo and Messi. That's the other one. Those we sort of like. Well, those two are teams, they're probably mm. 
the greatest ever. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I, it's, I, I thought I'd ha- I had to slide you that one because I, th- I thought you were going to go Roger, to be honest. I thought you were going to have Roger at one just from maybe yeah. hard overhead. He's, I don't know. There's something about Joker that I watch and it's just so impressive. Oh, how he's, good he is and how just overall as a game, it's just complete. I think what's fascinating too, and, and even from a footy point of view, from a sports psychology point of view about those three guys. So Roger comes through and he's what he is. And then everyone that comes after that has to be better than that. Yep. So how do I get to that level? And it's Rafa was defense. Yeah, Rafa was just like this crazy top spin and just phenomenal like strength. Because if you look at Roger, like Roger's pretty spindly, like he's a solid guy. Yeah, but then Rafa's a yeah. brute. Yeah, and then Novak's like the all round of the all round game because <laughs> his record clearly <laughs> from the surfaces carries exactly. over pretty well. Yeah. Uh, and then the next one, you like your F one? I do. Yep. Do you reckon Oscar Piastri's made a really bad decision? Yes, and. Yeah, I was watching the testing the other day and just... How bad does the McLaren yeah, look? I feel, feel like Danny Rick should be there. So, um, yeah, it's disappointing, but I don't I, know if Piastri is going to solve many issues. I just feel bad for him because... So, for people who and who may not know, he's obviously come through. He was with Alpine, and Alpine are by no means phenomenal, but they look better placed than McLaren. Yeah. And he had a, basically had a, ch- a choice between the two. You, you'll, you'll have a seat... <laughs> Take your pick, and he's gone for McLaren, and they look bad. <laughs> they look really bad. Yeah. Um, and then I suppose other F1 side of things, you mentioned Danny Rick. Oh, do you reckon he gets on the grid this year? Well, your guess is as good as mine, Shawnee. Um, do you want to hear my theory? Yeah, go. Alex Albon, Pierre Gasly, Danny Kvyat, they all started the season in the Red Bull number two. And when things got a bit tight, they're out. They're out. Okay. Yep. So Checo got re-signed, which is fine. I don't know why they. Re- I think he had this year. I don't know why they re-signed him beyond it. The best thing for Danny Rick would be if the Mercedes is better and the Ferrari is better, and Checo's nowhere because Red Bull will pull and the, he slots in and he slots in. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think that's completely off the table. I think that would be the, a sensational return, but I reckon that's his rationale. His okay. rationale yeah. is, I've seen it. I've lived it. They, they get rid of guys. Yeah. Well, well, we'll see. We'll find out. That would be unbelievably exciting <laughs> if he actually got back in a reasonable car. Yeah, definitely. I feel bad for him because yeah. I think I understand the decisions he's made mm. at different times. Um, I suppose we can move on now to uh, the last segment. Yep. We do a bit of quick hands. That's right. Yeah, I remember. You, you remember this one? Podcast this time last year. Get yeah. back in the swing of things. Yeah. So, just the first thing that comes to mind when I fire these questions at you. Okay. Are you ready for this? Yeah, I'm going to make sure I got my settings right. Yeah. It's a long siren. If you play permanent forward, how many goals would you kick? Forty. Favorite ground to play on? MCG or Metricon Stadium. That was our home deep. ground last year. Um, favorite footy cliche. Train to train, train to play, train to win. Uh, what do you listen to on the way to a game? Um, whatever's on, to be yeah. honest. What's the best thing about playing footy? The five minutes after a game. After a win? After a win, I should say. Uh, ben Kavara or John Kavara? Johnny, because he did placement with me and he was unreal to have. Well, and we I've had some this. great coffee he chats told, together and life chats. He so. told me this. Uh, what was the last film you saw at a cinema? 
the Margot Robbie one. Um, oh, Babylon. Babylon. And Weird. it was horrendous. Weird. Yeah. yeah. Uh, funniest teammate? Well, everyone says the same few blokes, but... Um, Stu Horner. Stu Horner? Yeah. We have I some like good that. laughs because we're like both that. a bit older and we uh, we don't have a great sense of humour, so it's, it's pretty it's dry. Sort of cancel each other out. Yeah, it's just... Uh, yeah. How would you rate Ed Phillips acting in those push-pull videos? <laughs> Oh, good. I, I like him. I like him. Uh, and lastly, I've got to find it here. Who should we interview in a future episode? Ooh. It's a tough one, Shawnee. There's a lot. Um. Well, I've got a couple in mind. You want to yay or nay them? Yeah, okay. okay. A two-hander. I don't know why this became a, t- a two-hander. I don't know why. With Stu Horner and Braden Kilpatrick. Yeah, they're very close. Yes. Very. Yeah. Uh, the Roville boys, the Rat Pack. Yeah, the Rat Pack. That would be all right, that actually. Could, that could get out of hand. Yeah, I don't know how much PD and learnings the uh, listeners are going to get from that one. But <laughs> <laughs> it would be funny. <laughs> uh, the funny, they were, they were cutting each other out of the episode and I said, you can all just do it together. Um, they were like dicing each other to be on. Um, so the Roville, the Rat Pack is, well, Maxi Hall's not Roville, but that area. Lockie Wind, Shruck, uh, Jake Arundel. Arundel, and uh, Kai Windsor. Yeah, Windsor's actually a part of it now. The, isn't he? the five of them. Yep. Um, yep. I was thinking maybe of uh, House, Cam Howard. House would be great. David Banfield, absolute club legend. He could be good as how well. How long do you want the episode but, to run? Yes, you might have to call up um, it's a, the podcast. 32 gig SD yes. card demo. It only you might has. need a couple of them. <laughs> <laughs> we <laughs> love that. He's bands. a great man. We love that. <laughs> demo, it's been an absolute pleasure to have a chat to you. That's the end of the episode. We've got there. Appreciate that, Shawnee. It was great having a chat. And um, What do yeah. we think of the more streamlined pod? Love it. Short I, and sharp. Yeah, I'm all about <laughs> short and sharp, listen to it on the way to work, maybe on the way home and that's it. I usually like listening to it again when I'm rolling around doing different things okay. and going, geez, was that good? I'll have to um, give a quick shout out to my fiance because I told Dude. her I'm on the podcast and I'd, you know, I'd love for her to give it a listen. So. She's not, she not a big footy person, so you know she who, might struggle with You know this. who will give it a listen? Who? The uh, Box Hill social media's biggest supporter. The mother. Yes, S- she Sylvia. will love that. She, she will, will, she's, yes. she's arguably, yes. I don't know if she's a bigger fan of Box Hill Hawks social media or you. Um, it's a yeah. close call. She she loves it. She will be all over this. So. Oh, that's good. We know I can Bye, count. Mom. I can count on her for a share. <laughs> um, but no, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Um, we earmarked you for the first one because we didn't get to you last year. Um, you're you're sort of next one or two cabs off the rank, but the season came to an end, unfortunately. Um, so it's an absolute thrill. Uh, thank you so much for your time. We'll uh, catch up again in the near future. No worries, Shawnee. Anytime. Look forward to a good year.